Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello and welcome to another edition of Broken Records, a search for the worst album ever made of all time ever. My name is Stephen Hill. His name is Renfrey Deadman. Hello, Renfrey. How are you today? You're Hello. Right? Yes, I am pretty darn well. Thank you, Steve. How are you feeling? I'm doing all right. Thanks, mate. I'm doing all right. I'm looking forward to throwing over to myself and us getting into the conversation on a very, very interesting record, I have to say. Mm. If this is your first time listening to the show, basically we usually do a podcast called Riot Acts Podcast. Um, You can find us on all your usual uh, Apple and Spotify places where you listen to your podcasts, where we review... You didn't sound old at all there, mate. (laughs) I know, I did it. (laughs) Oh, the podcast. Go to your podcast shop. Go to your podcast shop. Put it in your ears. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, we do a podcast called Right Act. We review all of our um, favourite alternative bands and sometimes not favourite alternative bands, but usually we're pretty positive. We're pretty upbeat guys. But on this show, uh, we have decided that we're going to try and find the worst album ever made. Albums from this list that we have that is being compiled comes from basically critical standing, the fan reaction, the weirdness around it, just a general aura of badness that surrounds a record. It's not necessarily our opinion that we put these records in because we think they're bad. And I think that is sort of evidenced by the show that we're going to throw over to you today because, you know, we used to do this on the the Weekly Riot Act show. We've now let Broken Records become its own thing rather than just a segment on the show. This first aired on our uh, episode of the 29th of March 2020, episode 86 of Riot Act, where we spoke about Metal Machine Music, Lou Reed's fifth solo album which came out in july 1975 um this was one for the first time it, it came out it was an album of quite notoriety that came out pretty early from the hat that we picked from it's um and it's often seen as a sort of punchline to a joke metal machine music i would say yeah you know in uh, yeah. in uh, and, music lover circles yeah yeah but then there is a these days i mean this is what's sort of interesting about it is there is you know there is a, a kind of a lot of reappraisal surrounding the record these days due to maybe what it's inspired and anyway we're going to get into this Mm. but it was it was an album that maybe came out of the hat that we picked from i'm not gonna say a little bit too early but we were like oh there's a it's early on we've gone from the enemy and six feet under to quite a difficult record to mm. discuss as you will probably hear when um when you hear the chat in a minute so let's actually not leave you hanging around waiting for it anymore let's just throw over to renfrey and i discussing metal machine music by lou reed is it art we now move on to broken records renfrey and i tell you what i have to say i'm absolutely delighted that we got an album like this out kind of two records in out of the hat right because at the moment we've got streets in the sky by the enemy and we've got um (laughs) which is the second worst album ever made and then we have 
our worst album ever made, Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume 2. I think a lot of people thought when we started this feature that it was just going to be us picking a load of records that we thought were rubbish and going, ha, 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 what a load of rubbish and laughing at them. But that's not what this is supposed to be. Sometimes records are um, critically hammered or hammered by fans and there's far more to the story than just, ha, ha, that person made a shit record. So... Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music, released in 1975. Metal Machine Music, the fifth solo album by the former Velvet Underground man. I have to say, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, I don't really like the Velvet Underground that much. I don't really want to listen to them. I respect the um, the the influence they've had on popular culture and on music, but I don't really want to listen to the Velvet Underground. Your thoughts on that, Rimfrey? I've never really, I I think I agree. I never, one of those bands that I know are massively, massively important, but then I never uh, really look to listen to them. Um, They never really did it for me, Velvet Underground, I have to say. And that extends a little Mm. bit to Lou Reed, less so. um, But I'm no expert in the Velvet Underground or Lou Reed, I have to say. I'm aware of the influence of both of them, and I'm aware that... A lot of my favourite bands would not sound as good as they do uh, without him. Um, but yeah, I've never found a record that I've really gone with. No, I always, I mean, I think Lou Reed's voice actually has a fair bit to do with the fact that I don't really like uh, the Velvet Underground. And that, and that kind of extends to his solo material a bit as well. Velvet Underground, that kind of 1960s avant-garde thing, always felt a bit fart sniffy to me Uh, we spoke about early pink floyd a little while ago yeah um but i have always been at the very very least intrigued by this record at the very very least i have always been intrigued by metal machine music because what actually is it is it a joke is it the formation of noise rock is it a formation of no wave of new york punk would Sonic Youth and Suicide and Mersbo and Swans and John Zorn and the rest even exist without this record? Was it made to alienate listeners who came to Lou Reed after Transformer and Walk on the Wild Side and Satellite of Love and Beautiful Day? Is it to fuck off a record label and get out of a contract? Was it to systematically created in Lou Reed's studio with painstaking attention to detail? Or was it the result of him randomly leaving a guitar plugged in and left propped up against an amp for an hour? Like, does Lou Reed even like this record? Does he hate it? Has he even managed to listen to the entire thing all the way through? Is this artistry or is it antagonism? Who fucking knows? Who fucking knows? There has been so much written about this record. There's been so much that has been debated about this record over the years that there are such a, just a huge group of things that we just do not know. There are myths and legends and stories and arguments and counter arguments that surround every single thing about this record from its formation to its reasoning to what it actually is, sounds like or is meant to sound like that It just feels like a massive fucking enigma. But here's what we do know. Um, 
it was one of the most returned albums in the history of music. It sold roughly 100,000 copies in the United States of America. Most of them were brought back to stores. It was withdrawn from shelves by RCA three weeks after its release. It was given a one-star review in Rolling Stone and in All Music and in Record Collector and in many, many more publications. It was named at number four by Q Magazine in their Worst 50 Albums Ever Made list and was included in a list of 10 albums made or the 10 worst albums made by great artists in 2005 and uh pitchfork gave it 8.7 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course well, they did I mean, i'm i'm assuming that's a reissue um but yeah, yeah it, it is, is yeah the pitchfork review is very interesting um mm. i i don't think i've ever uh uh explicitly expressed it but i'm not a fan of pitchfork overall um I you've expressed it I suppose I have, yeah. Um, mm. I find them to be very namby-pamby and um, irritating a lot of the time. Giving this album 8.7 out of 10 is one such instance when they're just being difficult and annoying. But the review itself is actually really interesting and filled in a lot of blanks for me that I didn't know about. But yeah, I'll get on to them. Um, okay, fair enough. I mean... This album has, you know, we, we kind of mentioned it earlier in the Night Snails review. It has been said to have been influenced the entire generation of noise artists, uh, everyone from the aforementioned Sonic Youth, um, who actually managed to do that whilst writing songs, by the way, um, to the German contemporary composer Ulrich Krieger, who reworked the album in 2002 with a 10 piece orchestra. That was actually the first time that Lou Reed played this album live, apparently. He was part of that uh, project. Um, so yeah, there's all that. There's all the kind of stuff surrounding it. But what does it actually sound like? I picked out a bit from The Guardian. Paul Morley wrote this in The Guardian. He called it an intense collection of surreal object, hate letter, emotional outburst, poetic assault, bubblegum serialism, artistic bombshell, infected ambition, celebrity breakdown, creative exhaustion, sinister confession, nervous tension, practical joke, artistic tantrum and psychedelic documentary which is kind of accurate but it, it doesn't really help it what it sounds like is an electric hum for four parts over an hour i think I, right i think that guardian description makes it sound far more interesting than it actually is because mm. that guardian description makes me go oh i want to listen to that that sounds riveting this certainly isn't riveting um i'm gonna i'm just gonna pop to wikipedia to try and describe this album because i think it's less um emotional and convoluted uh, and probably more accurate the album features no songs or even recognizably structured compositions a searing melody and rhythm for modulated feedback and guitar effects mixed at varying speeds by reed that's what it is it's the first what it is. drone album basically it's a drone album uh, yeah. at least 45 years ago this year um in the album's liner notes reed claimed to have invented heavy metal i assume his tongue was in cheek when he said that bearing in mind this mm-hmm. album came out five years after Black Sabbath. Uh, but that was probably exactly the sort of thing he liked to say just to annoy metal fans. Um, but I do think that genuinely, and he probably didn't realise this at the time, but I do genuinely think he invented a genre with this album. And it's, an, it's a genre that we have both kind of admitted that we're not really... Uh, we don't really get... Um, this to me sounded like an acoustic sun album. <laughs> I mean, acoustic isn't even right to be honest, but a, a, an even less harsh sun record. Mm-hmm. So I listened to this 
three times over a probably 36 hour period um and you know it is as you say a kind of uh, an electronic hum for for an hour uh it does eventually reach a crescendo um something approaching music i would say by the end of the final four parts um i think most people will have given up by then which you know feels like it kind of adds to the jokes um if you're asking i actually think there's a little nod to satellite of love on that famous kind of swirling outro at the end of part four i think when you do get to that last kind of what is it three minutes from the end there is a kind of bong bong sound which (laughs) i mean is so far removed from a song like satellite of love but at the same time i was like no one seems to have, I've looked through all the reviews, nobody seems to have picked up on the vague and distorted similarity between one of Lou Reed's biggest hits and the last two minutes of Metal Machine Music, um, which to me actually made me laugh out loud when it came on because I'd sat there listening to it for, what, 57 minutes? And it wasn't an entirely unpleasant experience, I have to say. It, after a little while it does start to to wash over you and um i think lou reed spends most of the time kind of distancing himself totally from what he was best known for and then right at the death kind of reminding hardened listeners who it is that they're listening to uh which is quite a cool little trick i think and i actually um I actually fairly, I wouldn't say I enjoyed listening to this music um, and I wouldn't say I enjoyed listening to the record. Um, But, you know, I think there's an odd bit of dynamic surprise in it. I think you can sit there and listen to it aloud, lying on your bed and you can lie back and you can have it on. And when you get in the pocket of it, I think there is kind of a... it, It did actually feel quite nice after a while and you mean you can't say that about atari teenage riot live at brixton like i don't want to lie on my bed and listen to that whereas i could lie on my bed listening to metal machine music and after a while it's got a really kind of nice hypnotic quality to it so i can't even pretend that i you know i enjoyed listening to it far more than i've ever enjoyed listening to any sun album ever right so you know i think there is odd the odd like kind of good things about it um certainly i mean as yeah to pick up, just to pick up on that point i mean i think the people who like this record do talk a lot about how um the point of this music is to kind of hypnotize you into a state where you're almost not listening to the music but you're almost listening beneath the music for like um other harmonies and bits and pieces that are coming in which you can only hear when there is a lot of white static around it literally kind of changes after a long time it changes the way in which your ears hear and i know that like mogwai used to experiment with that you know early on Mm. Uh, both young team and come on die young have a couple of songs which just end in absolute abject noise and misery which was basically, I think, their nod to this, you know. Um, And I can totally... There's something about seeing beauty in the distortion, you know. Um, And I think that that, that's how this is meant to be appreciated. And certainly after 20 minutes or so, I did find myself somewhat hypnotised by the repetitive drones. Um, I wouldn't call this a pleasurable listening experience. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I can only imagine the sort of confusion that this caused people um, back in 1975 when there was no real precedent for this kind of thing, um, particularly from an artist of the stature of Lou Reed. It's almost certainly the most daring record a major artist has ever released i would have thought you know the the stature of lou reed i mean nowadays like we said we do have some sort of contextual comparative point of view from which to view this record um i mean you know in comparison to something like sun um i prefer for a couple of reasons in that i think i understand or at least i at least comprehend the intent and i quite like the payoff as well uh the sheer kind of Stuart lee of it to drag it out for that long before some some music actually comes in um and yeah it does become kind of hypnotically rewarding and almost relaxing it's, it's like enjoying tinnitus have you ever led in your bed after being to a gig and your ears are ringing and you kind of after a while like my ears ring like fuck when i come out of a gig and sometimes and at first you're like oh no my ears are ringing and then sometimes i can sort of lie there and i just go and the, the sort of ah oh, of it actually starts to just nod me off to sleep um yeah and so i could kind of lie in my bed listening to this stroking my cat um and i think it works like that would i want to walk out into the world with it on my headphones i think that would be hell i mean i would want not want to see it live i think you can let it exist in this little bubble of its own world and you can get something out of it and it's one of the first times where i've really felt like that about an album like this personally okay so that's the good stuff uh there's the bad stuff on this as well which is i mean we talk a lot about range and dynamic surprises and there's really none of that here um i don't even feel antagonized enough to sort of hate it to be perfectly honest the problem with this record i think is that everything good about it and everything that i admire about it is theoretical like fuck you record label fuck you people who don't understand my art you know fuck you tropes of rock and roll it's somebody genuinely fucking with the formula of music great all that's great all that ideology is great but the music isn't what surrounds it is great but the actual album itself it's not great you know it's not interesting it's boring it's pretty simple there's no deviation all of the songs are exactly 16 minutes and one second. So that shows it's either massively calculated or all just completely randomly meaningless. I got a tweet from someone when we said, when we were doing this, I tweeted about it the other day saying, I've listened to this record twice in a day. And someone said, if this album deserves to be in um, the category of worst albums ever, then so does every noise album ever made, which to me says everything about the limitations of that music. If that is literally every single album in an entire genre can either be a masterpiece or completely worthless, what does that say about that style? The true nature of music is to kind of show your true self, right? If these artists have such high regard for art, then why do they cloak it in so much that they're literally indistinguishable from each other? That every single album is as worthy or as unworthy as the other one. You wouldn't say that about reggae. You wouldn't say that about soul. You wouldn't say that about punk. You wouldn't say that about pop. You wouldn't say that about country music. You wouldn't say that about any other genre of music, right? So ultimately, this is a genre that is not really about anything other than the antagonism that surrounds it. And I don't really find that to be musically interesting, personally. I just don't. 
I think you're absolutely right. Um, what you were talking about there in terms of the myth and the story behind this record being the sort of legendary, awesome part of it, mm. I totally agree with. But the actual music, the content of the album is, you know, uh, an electric guitar being fed back in a in a open tuning for 16 minutes, um, cut up into four. Uh, I think Reed clearly knew that the story around the album was king um he said that some of his actions were antagonistic provocations such as the legendary liner notes uh alternately boastful and incoherent where he says most of you won't like this and i don't blame you at all it's not meant for you um but deep down in the heart he protected at all costs and showed to the world only when he was ready he adored this music Metal Machine music was, for him, a perfect recording, taking his love of noise and drone and musical chaos to its logical end point. In 2007, Reed told Pitchfork, The myth is sort of better than the truth. The myth is that I made it to get out of a recording contract. Okay, but the truth is that I wouldn't do that because I wouldn't want you to buy a record that I didn't really like, that I was just trying to do a legal thing with. I wouldn't do something like that. The truth is I really, really, really loved it. So... and. And listen, I, I think you know. I didn't strictly I, like. I'm not the I, I'm not the person sitting here saying about this album. You know that you can either pick this album and it's genius, and all the albums are genius, or you can pick it and it's terrible, and that means all the albums are terrible. I mean, I, I have to say, if that's the truth, if that's true of this genre, then that is totally depressing. That is the most conformist, boring, regimented shit you can imagine that is no different to those people that we take the piss out of that you don't get it attitude in heavy metal that gatekeeping bullshit that is no different and if that's what this is then this this music like it sucks right it just fucking sucks um i don't necessarily think you can aim that at at Lou Reed and certainly when you look at what came after it like I mentioned Sonic Youth and John Zorn and Suicide and Swans obviously being a big one like I don't even think that that's true or accurate a thing to say um but definitely for me yeah the story of the record is far more interesting than the record itself and the music seems to be a kind of a secondary thing to everything else that surrounds it you know what else that's true of one direction the spice girls the backstreet boys all of those bands make music secondary to the stuff that goes on around it i don't think this is as fucking groundbreaking and as avant-garde and as challenging as people like to pretend that it is i just wanted to throw five finger death punch in there as well as a band five finger death punch (laughs) um i mean if if the if the point of it is just like oh no 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 all the kind of the way you carry yourself is more important than the way that stuff actually sounds. Uh, that's quite a, that's not really particularly musically interesting, is it? I didn't think well, it's got nothing to do with music. I didn't think you'd be able to Kevin Bacon this back to um, mid nineties. pop oh, Spice Girls. You have. <laughs> Amazing. Well done. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, it's just, it's just, it's it's just the Backstreet Boys for hipsters. <laughs> yeah. And you could argue bands like Sun are as well, I suppose. Mm. Oh, we're going to get mean, a lot I mean, being angry about that, aren't we? But you know, well, you know, I, I mean, I don't necessarily. I mean, it, that is, this is devil's advocate. 
that what I'm doing here. As I'm trying because the actual album itself, I put it on and I thought I can understand far more than any of the other records that are quite as droney as this. I can, you know, I actually sat there and listened to it and I thought I can see how somebody would would be in the mood for this if they were in the right frame of mind and in the correct scenario. And like I said, I think the payoff to it, when it actually does something approaching traditional sounding music, um, it's not it's not a horrible thing to listen to. Um, but I don't know how often I would be in, in, that, in that mindset. But then, you know what, I don't know how often I'd want to listen to country music do you know what i mean it's very very rare but it, it does occasionally happen you, um you to, i just think you listen to the drift once a year yeah, yeah something like that yeah comparisons I, I, with the drift well no because again i think the drift's got songs on it i think it's got songs and i think it's got dimensions and dynamics and i think it's got intent i think it's created with genuine actual it's not the it's not the result of a random collection of sounds that are just kind of hodgepodge together. And this is like, this is, you can't deny that it's not, that's what it is. Um, you can, you can find some sort of enjoyment out of it. I'm sure. And, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, the, the kind of the genius in it is the fact that it's almost created itself. Like, you know, art creating itself you know almost a photosynthesis of an album it's created at random and you know that kind of random selection is can be really you know can be really interesting you know like for me it's not a shit record i think people's opinions that surround it whether they be this is the worst thing ever or oh my god it's amazing you know sonic youth and swans are both really great and this isn't great it's just um an interesting deviation from the normal world that you might inhabit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I totally agree, actually. Um, I will say I would have loved to have been alive and heard it in 1975 because I imagine it would have been... Oh, I can't even imagine what it would have been like. But mm-hmm. now I'm, I mean, it doesn't have that much impact for me now. Um, but in nine, I mean, to give Lou Reed some credit, it must have sounded insane 40 yeah 45 years ago yeah yep years ago, 45 years ago i mean you know we have to obviously rank this in amongst where the others rank and for me um it's clearly better at creating what it was trying to create than both the other albums that it's up against here six feet under is a joke gone badly wrong um oddly they've kind of got the same problem as lou reed here it's just that they reveal the punchline immediately um and the enemy genuinely wanted to make a kick-ass proper rock record so for me this at least succeeds in doing what it's set out to do therefore for me it is head and shoulders way 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 above the other two records in this series we've done we've got three in there this is six feet under is the worst the enemy is the second worst and then somewhere in the distance is metal machine metal music. machine music completely and utterly totally agreed it it does and for exactly the same reasons you just said it does what it sets out to do and the other two don't hence mm-hmm. it is by far the best broken record we've covered so far I'm not recommending it, but it is. I mean, it's it, it is our number three, but in reality, it's probably like our number sixty-seven or something, isn't it? 
you know. I yeah. mean, we'll we'll see yeah. as the weeks go on, but yeah, there's we'll now we'll there is now a very large disparity between number one and number three, whereas last week there wasn't a very big gap between one and two. So it's starting to get no, a little no. bit more exciting, I think. The old broken. Record. It's starting to get more exciting. And in my hand, Rimfrey, as you were saying that, I have picked one out from the hat full of shit for that we'll be doing next week. So there you go. That was Metal Machine Music by Lou Reed. Certainly, you know, hopefully that's a much more interesting record than the other ones that we've had to, to, to cover so far. Because, you know, a lot of it, I think, was to do with context uh, and what people were used to and what people expected from Lou Reed. So, you know, it's there because of the critical... Um, uh, the critical kind of battering it took but it probably shouldn't really be in there at all anyway let's move on next week Renfrey, we are doing oh my goodness me uh <laughs> this is one of the rare few pop albums like proper pop albums that have been put into this category we said we weren't going to do any terrible kind of shitty mainstream pop albums but we did put a couple in because apparently there are a few that are so, so, so bad. Um, Eogan Quigg, his self-titled debut album from the X Factor runner-up. Um, I've heard this. like Someone made me listen to this and I put it straight on the list because I just couldn't quite fathom what I was listening to. Uh, yeah, so Eogan is, is, is Owen, it's pronounced, but I'm going to call him Eogan. Eogan Quigg is self-titled. <laughs> there is a cover of Busted on that record, so it's sort of vaguely alternative. Um, I'll keep telling myself. But um, uh, Year 3000, my favourite. <laughs> oh, I can't I can't wait. So there you go. Thanks very much for listening to the show. That is the end of Broken Records episode three. We will be back with episode four. Uh, as you heard, talking about Eogan Quig, Owen, Owen, Owen Quig from the X Factor. Little Eogan from the X Factor if, we'll if, be talking about next week. If you don't enjoy that as a running joke, this podcast might not be for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It is true. Um, so that will be next week uh you know that was us talking about metal machine music and very interesting it was too dare mm. i say it mm. uh yeah it was it was good i enjoyed i, I it was one of like, you know i enjoyed doing that particular episode i know i probably think i enjoyed it a little bit more than you. you enjoyed it a lot more you, you enjoyed it a lot more than i did um i mean i, I was yeah. absolutely stunned by your proclamation that you'd like to walk down the aisle to the third track but um you know if that's uh if that's <laughs> what gets you off that's fine with me and then walk back out to the sound of a piano burning for 18 minutes. <laughs> that's basically it's another thing i like i mean you might not get that joke if you're just listening to the show broken records but you want to go back to Riot Act, which is our, our weekly podcast where we review all of our favourite, favourite bands. Um, go to patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast. We have loads of exclusive content about actual good albums over there as well. But in the meantime, I'm going to let you go and prep because it's sitting there ready, waiting for you to be listened to right now. Me and Renfrey talking about Eogan in episode four. Hoo-hoo!